Hi, I'm James Wedmore, host of the Mind Your Business podcast, and I've built an eight-figure year company selling digital products around my knowledge and expertise. In fact, this is what I've been doing in multiple niches for the past 15 years. And if you've ever wanted to do the same, or maybe you're trying, but you can't seem to get any traction, here's how I can help. As you can guess, you need an audience if you want to sell your stuff, right? But what if I told you that you don't need a big audience. You don't need millions of followers to get started. In fact, we see that it's with just your first 100 leads where you really start getting some momentum. I mean, think about it. Imagine that you're on the stage of a room filled with just 100 people in that audience right now. That's a lot of people. You don't think that a few of them would walk up to you after your talk and ask, hey, how can I keep working with you? Of course they would. And that's why I created your first 100 leads. It's a 14-video step-by-step training mini course that walks you through exactly how to get your first 100 leads fast. And the feedback and results from this free program have been amazing. Diane Shepard said, this is one of the best trainings I've ever taken. Jake Curry said, We have had 753 people sign up for this free training. Are you kidding me? Dan Netting said, I'm currently going through the first 100 leads training, and James, I gotta say, it's brilliant. This training is A to Z complete, and the best part is it's absolutely free. To register, simply click the link in the show notes of this episode. Thanks so much, and I'll see you there. There's a difference between scaling and growing. So when you think about growing, you're basically adding resources in proportion to the increase in revenue. And for Mm -hmm. us as a service-based business, that basically means you're trading your time for the increase in in money. So sometimes it is really hard to think about growing without putting in more time, but I really encourage you to think ahead instead of just trying to deal with the the day-to-day and get more clients. Mm -hmm. Because Once you really have your vision set, it's going to be so much easier to make the right decisions to move you toward that vision. Hey, and welcome to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. I'm Serena Shoup. I am a CPA and mom of three, and I'm running a virtual bookkeeping business, mostly from my home. You're in the right place if you're a bookkeeper, accountant, or an accounting student, and you know that your purpose is bigger than sitting in a cubicle. If you're ready to learn some actionable tips and strategies to help you start and grow a bookkeeping or accounting business, I hope you stick around. Welcome back to the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast. This is a special interview episode I did last year with... Alyssa Lang, the workflow queen. And in this interview, we had done a Facebook live and we chatted about all things scaling your business versus just growing, setting a vision for what you wanted, want from the beginning. Uh, And it's never too late to start thinking about scaling because it's all about how you want to be spending your time. So we dive into this, we talk about pay structure for contractors and generally just have a good time. So sit back and enjoy this interview we did. Hopefully it's just as valuable now as it was back then. And if you want to connect with Alyssa, her handle on Instagram is at workflow queen. Make sure you take a picture of this episode, tag her and I, I'm at ambitious bookkeeper on Instagram. She's at workflow queen and 
DM us. Let us know what you took away from this live. So without further ado, let's jump in. Today we're talking about scaling a bookkeeping business. And even if you're brand new to starting a business or just thinking about starting a bookkeeping business, this can totally still apply, right? Yes. You want to introduce yourself first? (laughs) Yeah. Hey everyone. My name is Alyssa Lang. I have been coined the workflow queen. If I could speak today, I help bookkeepers and accountants to utilize tech systems, automation, all the fun things to pretty much manage the behind the scenes in order to stay on top of all the client work so they can essentially make more room for more clients and take better care of everybody. So that is what I do. And I'm very excited to be here because Serena is like my fave. Thank you. I know. I love jamming out with you. And if anyone has ever watched any of our lives together, <laughs> probably like <laughs> you, you know how it goes. So we're yep. going to keep it today to like 30 minutes or less, probably mm-hmm. less because Alyssa's got a jam packed schedule today. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Of course, I'm excited. (laughs) And for any of you guys that don't know me, I'm Serena and I mentor other bookkeepers and accountants that are wanting to start a virtual bookkeeping business like I have done and wanting to leave their corporate job or add some income to their household as a stay-at-home mom. Like my story was I left corporate to have more kids and Mm -hmm. then I didn't want to like lose everything that I had worked so hard for. So I just like accidentally started a bookkeeping business as a freelancer to begin with, but things would have gone a lot more smoothly if I had found someone that had already done what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm here to do is help people speed up that process and not make all the same mistakes. <laughs> right. Don't do all the bad things. Right. There. We've done it all. Exactly. So I don't know if you want to go through some questions that you have. Okay, cool. I got all the good juicy questions for you here. Okay, guys, I, if you guys don't know, I'm like obsessed with Serena. We just happened to stumble across each other and we've made this like amazing connection. And I just want to say from the get-go that I am like truly honored to always be involved with helping Serena and to be here on these lives and to just be there and support each other. She is a kick-ass rock star of a bookkeeper and really truly takes this to heart. There's so many programs out there that sometimes they don't really do one-on-one stuff with you and really don't care as much. And Serena really has proven that she loves to care for her students. So y'all are in good hands. Just (laughs) thank you. Okay. So Serena, why do you think it's so important to think about scaling when you're just starting out versus a lot of the times people are saying like you should constantly be not thinking about three or 40 years down the road, instead focus on what's happening right now. Why do you think it's so important from the get-go to focus on that? Well, for one, there's a difference between scaling and growing. So Mm -hmm. when you think about growing, you're basically adding resources in proportion to the increase in revenue. And for Mm -hmm. us as a service-based business, that basically means you're trading your time for the increase in in money. So sometimes it is really hard to think about growing without putting in more time, but I really encourage you to think ahead instead of just trying to deal with the the day-to-day and get more clients. Because once you really have your vision set, it's going to be so much easier to make the right decisions to move you toward that vision. And if you haven't really thought about it, yeah. And you're just like, I'm just going to get some clients and see how it goes. You'll end up undercharging because you didn't have a revenue goal in mind. You're going to end up 
overworking because you're just going to continue to put more and more time into it and not like really be driving toward a goal. That's why I like to talk about scaling even from the beginning, because this is when revenue is increasing without necessarily having to have the same proportionate increase in your resources, which is your time in this case. Yeah. So I started basically scaling once I, once I realized I was spending more time than I wanted to in the business. And this is where like, it gets a little controversial. Like you'll ask in some groups like, Oh, when should I hire help? Or when should I like try to outsource or whatever? And a lot of people will tell you, uh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't think about hiring or adding resources until you hit a certain like revenue limit, yeah. like a hundred thousand dollars or something. And it's like, I, I don't subscribe to that at all. I actually started, I hired someone after I started working more than 10 hours a week because I was a stay at home mom and I wasn't like, it was either that or having a babysitter for longer. And so yeah. I wasn't willing to trade off that time. So that's when I started really thinking about, okay, how can I actually scale this without me spending more time? So that's, that's one thing that I see come across a lot. I don't know about you, Alyssa, but have you seen oh. that, like, that answer a lot? Like, oh, you have to hit like a hundred thousand dollars first. And I definitely wasn't not at a hundred thousand dollars yet. It was more of a time situation. Yeah, honestly, I think me and you have been on phone calls together talking about this same situation that it really doesn't matter. I don't think when I even hired like my first contractor and I, the first person I brought on to help me with our practice, I probably could have done all the work myself, but I didn't want to. I just wanted more freedom in my life. And I think that, yes, you should have some sort of a budget and have some foundations and like some guardrails on how to actually make sure that you're not overspending on someone, but you also have to make sure you're getting your money's worth back. And I think a lot of times everyone's saying, well, you got to have, I've even heard people say $500,000 before you hire your first employees. You have to have, it's crazy. Like, oh, you have to have 10 clients. Like, no, you can do it with one or two clients. I mean, if you're charging a client $500 a month, hiring someone for a hundred dollars a month to manage the whole thing, you just made $400 off of taking the hit on your company. If something goes wrong to me, I'd rather outsource the hundred dollars than me have to do all the work for it. So I can focus on the aspects of my business that are going to really help it to grow and to actually scale. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it, it is a mindset shift to think like, oh, I could have this whole $500 for myself, or I could share some of it and actually not spend any time working on that. So like you have to decide like how you want to it's really comes down to how you want to spend your time. So I really encourage people to start thinking about that from the very beginning, because otherwise you're going to end up, (laughs) I could not imagine trying to get to $500,000 before I hire. Right. And it's funny because I think in my last challenge, I think on one of the days that I was presenting on, I talked very transparently about a hire that I brought on to help me with a larger project, someone Mm -hmm. not inside my normal niche that we happen to take on because someone passed along our way. And I broke down the numbers of how much we paid that person, how much we were paid from the contract of the person we hired, how much I was able to make off of that. And then also what I was able to do during that time. That wasn't me spent doing that. I think we went through our rebrand and we landed like four or five, four or five different clients. Mm-hmm. And it brought in ultimately times up by 12. If you, you know, you retain them for a whole entire year, I can essentially bring on way more money by outsourcing a thousand dollars to a contractor, still making money off the contract 
and also building the business on the back end. So it's like sometimes you do have to take hit original hits mm-hmm. to eventually make more progression. But if you say that you're going to spend the time that you would have on that client that I just outsourced on marketing, then you better be doing that. Because if you're just sitting there lollygagging and taking time off, you're never going to actually see yeah. it where you want it to be. Yeah. You know, unless that is also what you're after. Like yep. for me, I don't, I mean, I'm still always kind of building the business on the back end when I am outsourcing stuff. So, and I have this project, the ambitious bookkeeper. So it's like there, I am definitely spending my time on on stuff, but you can absolutely just sit back and just be the one that's bringing in the clients and then outsource the entire thing. You're still like, you're effectively taking the risk. And so that's what you're getting paid for. Even if you're not taking home all of the profit, you're creating jobs for other people. Yeah. And that's that in of its own is, is the best feeling You know that you're supporting someone else's lifestyle. And even Aaron here said, I've had this thought, but never even considered it would be a reality to hire someone with only a few clients. I'm telling you guys, you can have even two clients or even one client. If you don't want to do it, the industry will just keep telling you like, Oh, you have to wait till you're 30 clients, 40 clients, a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's not the reality. Like you could be making a hundred thousand dollars, but have like 10 times the volume as another firm because they're charging cheap. Mm-hmm. So it, that really doesn't, it depends on where you're at financially, if you can afford it, if you don't have the time or you do have the time, but after that, it's really up to you. And it doesn't matter what other people say. Like, yeah, you know? I think I hired a bookkeeper to help me with just one client when I only had five clients. Mm-hmm. So, and that was again, because I didn't want to work more than 10 hours a week. Otherwise I would have to hire my babysitter to come even more days. And I was like, well, what's the point of that? <laughs> yeah. Don't <laughs> want to hire a babysitter or a bookkeeper. And honestly, um, sometimes it's easier to find a bookkeeper than a babysitter that you trust. Right. So what, at what point did you actually start hiring? How many clients did you have of recurring clients? I think it was like, 12 or 13. I have a timeline written somewhere. I kept a good little timeline mm-hmm. of all my different clients because inside of a program I took, we did, you would like list out all the different clients that you would have, like, and at what point you would make changes. And then That's I so think after that, it was just contractors. And then this business came into fruition, Workflow Queen, and I had to hire more contractors. I probably could have gone a longer time without hiring more people, but I didn't want to do all the work. And I still don't want to do all the work. I want to have, you know, do the things that I want to be doing. And some people like, I just talked to someone today that loves doing taxes and contracts, all the bookkeeping, and she just likes to do the sales. So that's her whole point is she wants to hire people just to do everything else. So she can focus on the sales, which I know that you like to do the sales part. So it's like, depends on what your preferences are, what your strengths are. You can get away with doing all the things, or you can get away with doing what you're really good at and just shine in it. Yeah, that's definitely something that I talk a lot about with my students is like figure out your zone of genius, basically like the part that you love doing that comes easy to you. And like, you could spend all your time doing it and be happy and then try to outsource or find tools or tech or something to help you with the rest of it. Yeah. So yeah. What was the first thing when you like decided to start scaling? What was the first thing that you like implemented? Was it hiring or like a piece of tech? (laughs) <laughs> systems. Yeah. Like I literally was prepared to have someone on the team because I hated the idea in my own head that like, I couldn't even remember what I was doing. Like, and the thought of trying to have someone else come into my team 
and be like, okay, I'm going to hire you because you're a bookkeeper, but like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Just go log in. Like that just to me scared me because I would hate if someone hired me because I have been as a contractor. I used to contract with another bookkeeper and she would just be like, okay, here it is. And I'm like, what's the details? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I didn't want to be that person through this whole process. So it was definitely systems, but it took a long time for me to like nail them down. And then I didn't feel 100% ready, but I took the leap of faith and I, I had to take the leap of faith because no day is a day that you're ever going to be ready. And system for me and those workflows and processes is what changed the game for myself to easily capture whatever system or process I'm doing and easily outsource it to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true though. What you just said, you're never going to feel hundred percent ready with mm-hmm. like anything, having a baby, starting a business, the same with hiring at some point, you're just going to have to say, okay, it's not good. Like my systems might not be perfect, but my, like whoever I hire, like you just have to be transparent about that and be like, can you help me like get this perfect? Yeah. So Wendy's question was around the, the thought of, Ooh how to pay contractors. Yeah, It depends. So on like the first, the first time I hired out, I just hired out one client and I had really a good system down for that one client and they were on a flat fee. So I knew how much time it really should take, but I also wanted to like encourage my bookkeeper to be more efficient. So I was like, I'll give you a percentage of the revenue. And it was like one third, I think. Um, And then with future clients that we've brought on, we usually stick with hourly until we both kind of figure out like a rhythm with it and then what is good. And then that also helps me figure out if I price them correctly. And then at that point, if, if I decide I need to adjust their pricing or, or something like that, then we'll probably switch to more of a, like a percentage of the total fee. So yeah, yeah that's, that's how I've handled it. You can really handle it either way, but if you're going to pay hourly, definitely nail it down. Yeah. You got a nail. I think my first ever bookkeeping contractor was an hourly rate. And so we did an hourly and I believe it was $20. I want to say, I cannot remember. I think it was $20 hourly, but then I found that there wasn't room for efficiency because a lot of times, like sometimes things get dragged on because it's like, well, I want to make more money versus like, if you become more efficient. So then we moved into the variable, I guess it's kind of variable pricing, where we would pay based off of, and this was something that another bookkeeper had taught me where you take the overall fee that you're charging your client, then you minus out all the different subscriptions. So if you use HubDoc, if you're using QuickBooks, whatever subscriptions, minus that out and times it by, let's say 30%. And that's usually how much you would pay. So we started to do some of our bookkeepers became paid based off of the client and the scope of work. And if the scope of work changed for the client, that price would increase. And if I didn't increase the price, I would still have to increase the contractors because it would essentially be doing more work. So it was a fail on my part if I didn't keep up with the scope creep. So that part's really important too. Then also, depending if you're hiring someone to do the client facing, like the sales conversations, that's someone that's 100% hourly. And that's only because they're doing more than just being in the books or typically doing a lot of different things. So it really just depends on like your approach and also I kind of had to figure it out just like you did. You kind of have to do trial and error and you kind of figure out what makes the most sense for you. And everybody will say, just like hiring, you know, when you hit a hundred, a hundred K, whatever you want to call it, everybody's going to have a different opinion about it. Just take what you can absorb what you can, and then tweak it based off of what you think fits best for you and your business. Mm -hmm. You get to run the show. Nobody can tell you what to do. (laughs) 
exactly. That's the beauty <laughs> and sort of the thing that scares people, right? Because yeah. they're like, oh my gosh, what if something comes up that I don't know like how to handle? Who am I going to ask? And that's where it's really important to like find a mentor that you relate with, that you resonate with, that you like their style and like find out how you can work with them (laughs) because you really do like, it really does help to have someone to bounce ideas off of. Like, I love that. I can just like call you or text you and be like, all right, dude, (laughs) what's going on with this? Talk me through it. You know what I mean? So right. Yeah. it's, It's really important to have someone to lean on in, in that regard too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What else you got for me? Let's see here. Amy did have a quick, (laughs) said, LOL. Amy says, I have watched some other videos with Alyssa teaching Asana and I'm still not wrapping my head around using it still. Any suggestions? That is normal. I'm going to say it right now. That is so normal to be overwhelmed by any project management system. I have, Amy, if you haven't checked out my website, I have a lot of resources online through my website. We also are having a five-day free challenge, which we cover days four and five. On Asana, we go through slides and people share their screenshots. So that's totally normal. You're not alone in that situation. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. And if you, if you haven't yet, Alyssa also has a challenge coming up where she really breaks down, like how to wrap your head around workflows and getting into a system. Of course she teaches Asana, so she's going to also teach that, but it'll like the way she teaches it really, you can apply to any system. So yeah, exactly. um, Students would click up and all that fun stuff, mm -hmm. but it really is. The most important piece is not Asana. The most important piece is the foundation and the process and the workflow And the steps you need to take, the system can be tweaked to work around that. So if anybody even here in general is struggling, it's just like what you write on a piece of paper on how you need to do things. It's just how thorough and the details and the information you have to perform the work as if you've never seen the work is how you essentially want to do it. But this is not about me. So we're going to go on to my next question, which is really helpful in thinking about scaling, because that is one of the big mistakes that I made is I created the workflows based on my level of knowledge. And I have. At that point, I had like 12 years of experience in corporate and doing 12 years of year end and however many months that translates to a month end, what's 12, right. 12 times 12. I, I don't even know. Like, I don't know, right. guys. <laughs> um, so, so my question for you is, what did the onboarding process look like for you? So that was actually... That's another kind of mistake that I made is focusing on creating like this amazing onboarding process, which is important, but I could have probably used the time that I dedicated towards that and really nailed down my monthly processes so that when I onboarded a team member, they would have been able to run forward with the the work that they needed to do a lot easier. And then that would have freed me up to then develop my onboarding process because the onboarding Like it is pretty amazing, but (laughs) it's not going to be very helpful if you're able to onboard all these clients and you can't then work, work. (laughs) do the actual work. (laughs) It's just like writing out all your goals for how I'm going to work out for the whole entire year. And then like, okay, now I'm going to do it. and I don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. So that is an area that I could have like done a little bit better, which is another one. Like, that's why I want to talk about this. So it is important to have a good onboarding process. And I did develop a really good one that automated some things. I had like an engagement letter template that the client name 
um, pops into the proposal information pops into it. So if um, like it still brings in all the information that needs to be in the engagement letter, even if the pricing is different on different clients, because it just yeah. pulls from their proposal. And then I had like emails that would get triggered because I used a, a, a CRM system. So when certain um, stages of the onboarding process were completed, a new email trigger would go out and ask them for more information or ask them to schedule a call and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty much what my onboarding process looks. It still looks like that. I've tweaked it a little bit over the years to just like make it more and more better. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely like I spent a lot of time developing that at the beginning and I probably should have focused that on actually yeah. developing my other workflow. <laughs> Because, yeah, a lot of people think, like, I have to have this perfect onboarding, which is great. It can help you to onboard it. But ultimately, if you can't perform the actual work, there's no point in onboarding someone. Like, if yeah. you can't manage the work. But that comes with time. A lot of people, if you're here and you're newer, like, don't be discouraged by this. Because at the end of the day, you will learn. We keep saying this and repeating this, that you will learn so much when you do it. And when you're actually on the fly and you are bringing on a team member or you are onboarding your first client or it's your fifth client or you're doing the actual work, these things take time to kind of learn and absorb. A lot of the times you can follow suit. For example, for me, I like to fast track a lot of my stuff. So if someone's already done something that I want to already do, I will typically do whatever I possibly can to make sure like I'm a part of Serena's program. And I love her program, but it's because there's pieces of it that I wanted fast track that I just couldn't bear the idea of having to figure out how to set up Dubs Auto myself. If Serena already could tell me how to do it and had a program for it and did all the things. And it's just like all these different programs that you see out there. Sometimes it's better to let these other people kind of guide you, those with experience, but then you're always going to tweak those things to fit for you. It will never be this molded piece that you're just going to fit right into and everybody's right about everything. You're going to figure it out along the way, but sometimes it's good to look up to many people like lovely Serena. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that is so true. Like everyone, like even every student that has gone through my onboarding um, course or my other courses, like everyone tweaks it a little bit on their, for their personality, the voice, like you don't have to take my templates and copy paste them. You can, but like you can, you can change the voice a little bit to match what you're, you know, what you sound like and all that kind of stuff. And, and even just like tweak the process of, oh, maybe I don't want that email sent out. I would actually like to personally call the client or whatever and ask for something. But, but yeah, that's a huge, a really good point to remember. Your process is always going to be just a tad different. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Then I think my other question would come down to what would you have done differently if you can go back in time Mm -hmm. and fix everything that you did wrong (laughs) or right, but maybe reorder it. Like what would you do differently if you were to start off today, maybe speaking to somebody who's just starting out, maybe kind of got their toes a little bit wet, maybe got discouraged seeing like so many other people in the industry, what would you do different to stand out and make sure that you were doing it as efficiently as possible? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode of the Ambitious Bookkeeper podcast is sponsored by my brand new free training, The Ultimate Guide to Creating a Profitable Bookkeeping Business. In just one hour, you will learn three keys to creating and launching a profitable bookkeeping business. We will map out your path to creating a bookkeeping or accounting business that keeps you in control of your time, priorities, and expertise from someone who built a six-figure firm on part-time hours. 
That's right. You can stay in control of your time, keep family as your priority, and serve your clients well. It just takes a little strategy up front, and I'm going to help you with that during this free training. So head over to the show notes to sign up now for the next training and find out how you can choose the work you do, kick imposter syndrome to the curb, use tech to be super efficient, which all leads to a profitable business. Just head on over to ambitiousbookkeeper.com training, and I will see you there. I, like I said, I would probably switch over to like getting my monthly workflows down before I dealt with the onboarding. But I think to stand out differently, I was really afraid of trying to choose a niche. And I still like, and I still today teach like my students, like not to get overwhelmed by that, but things do really get easier when you focus on one or two industries. So I would say one of the biggest mistakes I made was taking, like also not listening to my intuition about clients, (laughs) that and not just choosing, like choosing one software and choosing one, one or two industries and just running with it Mm -hmm. because I spent so much time flipping back and forth between like the process for QuickBooks and the process for zero. And then then I took on another client that was in a different system, not even those two. And like, yeah. just don't do that. <laughs> one, you might like, here's the thing that happens when you choose one software, same with like a workflow software, right? Cause yeah. I went through this too, of like you pick it and then you're, then you see other people using a different one. You're like, Oh, did I pick the right one? Oh no. Yeah. Like maybe yep. I should try it out. So don't. Don't. Like <laughs> I see one. that. So often, I can't even tell you I can relate to that. Just stick with the one that you chose. It works for other people. It will work for you. There's not one, one system that's, that's going right. to check all the boxes ever. Nope. So just pick it and go full throttle, fully implement it, use it to its capacity, and yep. just go with it because there's never going to be a perfect system. I do that. I mean, it's the same with like between QuickBooks and Zero. There's actually some things about QuickBooks I like better. Yeah. But I chose to just go all in on zero because it really does make a difference to have one system that you work in with your clients. Yeah, I can agree. And I think a lot of people who are here, if you are newer, we do have this pressure of everyone saying you got to have a niche, which is true, but later, like give yourself some time. I think I went through probably so many different types of businesses before I found what I thought I wanted. And then I found another niche. So it's like, even then it's okay to switch your niches. Like Mm -hmm. if something isn't serving you, remember you're the business owner, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like it does not matter what other people say. Like if you want to serve people who have pet cemeteries, then that's on you. I don't know why I thought of a pet cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) And then I decided for cemetery. Don't ask me why. (laughs) Do those even exist? I mean, I don't know. We've always, our backyard is a pet cemetery. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of scary. Uh, well, the house we sold anyways, not this one. So um, <laughs> have fun, new owners. <laughs> right. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, so that, that would be my advice of just like not second guessing yourself. Just go all in on it. And yeah, you don't have to pick an inch at the beginning. Like it took me what I'm in year four and I finally decided, OK, yeah. I'm going all in on one industry. 
And it's kind of scary because like, what if that in industry crashes and burns? Like then I'm out of work, but then at the same time, like I'm not out of work. Like I literally can do any industry, like accountants, you can pick up any industry. Accounting is all the same for all the industries. It's just like a little different nuances in each of them. So I wouldn't let that hold you back. Cause I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't in the restaurant niche, like with COVID, but like you can still find other clients if that niche just implodes, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So my last little jamming question for you. I know you have these amazing workshops coming, which last time I believe I was in Vegas when you did one of these workshops and I was there like on vacation, like, well, I love it. I know, what are you doing? <laughs> You're like, get off your phone. I'm like, but I love you. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I know that this starts give me some details. Give me the juicy like tips. Last time it was four days, right? And now you're doing five. No, actually last time it was five days and now I'm doing four. Okay. So it's backwards. Okay. Yeah. Because I I ended up like with everything, you should always get feedback from your clients, your customers, your students, whoever you work with, like always get feedback and find out like what worked and what didn't. And for a lot of my students, they were like, it was a lot of information. Yes. (laughs) And I didn't feel like I could like implement it all in that week. So I trimmed it out a little bit and we're going in on day one. We're going to talk about like what it actually takes to run a bookkeeping business. So Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of mindset stuff that we're going to do because it's really important to like be comfortable with, you already have the skills. So we're going to like talk about what kind of skills can translate into bookkeeping. Most of the people that come into my world already have some experience, but even if you don't, these are going to be good workshops. Yeah. Um, It'll set you up for later when you actually have the, the accounting knowledge and the background. And then day two. We're going to talk about systems because having a good tech stack can like Mm -hmm. really help you scale right from the start. And so we're going to go through like my tried and true tech stack and a lot of it's free or really Mm -hmm. inexpensive. So you don't have to worry about like breaking the bank, buying all sorts of expensive software. Um, And then in day three, we're talking about like kind of what we touched on earlier, creating a business that you love by figuring out who your end goal and who your ideal customer is. And so you're not making the same mistakes I did with like some bad clients. Right. (laughs) And then in day four is a bonus masterclass. And I'm going to help you figure out how to sell without the sleeves. Cause I know like selling is a big roadblock for accountants. A lot of us identify as introverts. I I know not all of us, but a lot of us identify as introverts. So I'm going to help you turn that introvert superpower to help you like have conversations with clients and be a little more comfortable with that. And like, you don't have to pretend you're someone that you're not. You don't have to pretend to be an extrovert to be successful because I that was me. Like that was my biggest fear of like, Oh, I'm going to have to talk to clients. And like, it's really not, it's really not that bad. So I'm going to show you how I do it. And then I will like still have a day five, but it's going to be dedicated to just answering questions. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of workshops that you find online don't provide is a lot of times it's really hard to find them that like, will answer your questions. Well, like, and actually every day is going to be an interactive Facebook live. So people can drop questions and I'll answer them as I go. But I also wanted to have a full on like day just for like answering questions and making sure people understand the content and giving them time to like implement some more. So, so where can they sign up? BKworkshops.online. 
pretty easy. Wow, wasn't that just amazing? (laughs) I really do hope that you enjoyed this little chat I had with Alyssa way back when. I think the topics are just as valuable now as they were then. And once again, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, and tag both of us in it at Workflow Queen, at Ambitious Bookkeeper. And in case you didn't know, Alyssa actually launched her own podcast as well. So make sure you go subscribe to hers too. Leave a review on hers, leave a review on mine. And uh, we thank you so much because that's how we get this into the ears of other bookkeepers and accountants. Uh, Her podcast, I will link in the show notes as well as all of her information. She just had a challenge um, this last week, if you're listening when this episode goes live. And right now, her program, Kickoff with Asana for Bookkeepers and Accountants, is actually open for enrollment. So I'm also going to be linking that in the show notes so you can join that program if uh, scaling with systems is something that you're looking to do. And of course, I do mention it in our little interview that we did uh, on this podcast. I am going to be running another round of the workshops, even though this was an older interview. We do these almost every quarter. We do it a few times a year. So we're about to gear up and do another round of the bookkeeping biz workshops. Those will be at the end of August. So if that's something that you're interested in joining, please go to bkworkshops.online and register uh, for the waitlist because the waitlisters, they get something a little special. It is a paid workshop. Um, but for you guys, <laughs> you'll definitely be getting some early bird special. So make sure you sign up for the wait list. Uh, if you're on that wait list, you'll be getting an email before anybody else does and a little special surprise. So once again, thank you so much. Check out the show notes for all the links and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Ambition.